Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. We're at the midweek mark. It is the Wednesday edition of the program. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. My guest co-host for the day in typical BTS Wednesday fashion, Billy Talk Sports. Yes, Billy Hall of the Honolulu Star Advertiser is in the house. He is donning his Seattle Seahawks hat. Uh, they did not lose this past week because uh, they didn't play. They had a bye week. Uh, they're looking pretty good, I think, here early on. And we will have a Seattle Seahawks game, I believe, featured as part of the uh, weekly Billy Hull six-pack of picks segment coming up a little later. Yeah, I was I was walking around Sunday uh, wearing a Seahawks shirt, and people are like, what are you doing wearing a Seahawks shirt? They don't even play. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't lose this week. That's <laughs> exactly. pretty much a win, baby. As confident as I can be yep. that they are not going to lose here uh, this weekend. Uh, Billy, who also outed himself uh, just before we went on the air when he asked me about the Craig Angelus <laughs> show, and he's like, what night is that? And I was like, it was last night, Billy. And Great he's like, show, oh, by yeah. The way. Great show. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Real appointment radio there for uh, Billy Hall. Uh, but yeah, we had uh, we had fun with that last night, and uh, we will be doing it again uh, at a uh, yet to be determined date next month. 808 296 1420 is the number to call. You can text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, Billy uh, covers a lot of different things here for the Honolulu Star Advertiser, among them mixed martial arts, and that was one of the uh, more anticipated events. Events of the weekend was Elimale McFarlane getting into the cage with Liz Carmouche. Uh, was intended to be a title shot, but Elimale, uh, who admitted after the fight that it had been a very, and even on social media here in the last 24 hours, uh, she put out there that this was a very trying and taxing camp for her. Uh, that the preparation for the fight because of the circumstances on Maui and all the things that uh, she was accounting for on that front, uh, that really took a toll on her, uh, and so she didn't make weight. Uh, thus, she didn't have an opportunity to uh, fight for the title. Uh, she was ineligible to win uh, because of the failure to make weight. Uh, and so this had a little bit of the shine of this fight taken away. Uh, she would ultimately lose to uh, Liz Carmouche, and uh, I'll let you kind of get into a little bit of the details. Uh, you w were able to watch that fight a little more closely than, than I was, Billy. Uh, but what did you make uh, of that performance by Elise? Malay, uh, not necessarily the outcome that was unexpected, uh, but the, the way in which it went down and the fact that after the fight, she didn't exactly uh, suggest that this was her last fight. Uh, there were a lot of people that were expecting maybe this would be uh, a retirement announcement regardless of the result at the end of the fight. We didn't really get that. So what'd you make of it? Yeah, it was um, it, it was kind of a real interesting day, and it starts with there was a lot she's going through. And look, Elima's the type of woman that she's going to put herself out there. And so when the Maui fires happened, you better believe that she was there trying to help, trying to do some things, raising some money. Um, and then she kind of got caught up in the you know social media storm of people throwing around accusations about different things that she had going on. And you know you can follow her to get kind of the gist of that. But so when she missed weight, I kind of just felt like, oh man, you know this was supposed to be kind of her swan song. This is what you know, back in April when they were here in Hawaii, and, and it was such a big fight for her because she knew if she could beat Kana Watanabe, she would get the shot one last time to fight her really good friend, Liz Carmouche, the person that brought her into a gym the first time, the person that first took her under her wing to train mixed martial arts, that really set the stage for her to have this kind of career. You know, it wasn't the longest career, but it was a very successful career. She made a big name for herself. She's one of the bigger names in Bellator. She had the big homecoming. She brought 
what I think was one of the biggest accomplishments of any MMA fighter. She brought big-time MMA back to Hawaii at the Blaisdell Arena, and she's done a lot. And so this is kind of going to be her moment. You know, they're going to fight in San Diego, fighting in the arena, right down from where they, you know, she first started training in the gym. This is going to be a big moment for her. And when she missed weight, you saw some of the things she was dealing with, it just kind of felt like this probably isn't the way she wanted it to go. And so um, going out there, I kind of didn't really, to be honest, I didn't expect a whole lot. I just seemed like, you know, that, that there was so much going on and, and, and she just maybe probably wasn't as focused as she should. And then the first round, I mean, you could actually make a case she won the first round. And it was just kind of a weird like fight between two friends like it was almost like a like a, a, a like a sparring, sparring session sh a little bit kind of yeah like a spirited sparring session that actually wasn't that spirited you know when the second round started the referee had to bring them together and said hey give the judges something to score like implying them hey you guys got to do something and so and that really never happened no i've never seen that happen in any fight uh, i've ever covered or watched or anything and so yeah it, it was just kind of a whole weird thing and then the third round liz lands a real big kick to her left knee that just kind of buckles her and then from then on it was just you know, I think some other fighters probably could have finished it a lot earlier. And the one thing Liz had talked about before the fight was, like, she just wants to go in there, choke her out, not do any serious damage, and call it a day or whatever. And then it's kind of like, here she is. If I land that devastating blow that I'd look for every time, I could potentially injure her for <laughs> injure her for a long time and it'd be a serious injury. So I think that was kind of weighing a little bit. She finally comes out in the fifth round, delivers one kick. Elima goes down screaming and screaming in pain, and so that was kind of it. But it was just... The whole thing was just a little bit different, was a little bit off. I don't think it was quite the moment that Bellator had hoped for. But, um, yeah, you know, Elima got stretchered out of the arena. Um, I know she went to the hospital right away. I don't know the severity of the injury. But, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a just a little bit of a weird, strange kind of whole, whole event, I would say. Yeah, and, and she posted on social media um, the, the fact that that training camp really took a toll on her and specifically what happened on Maui. And as you alluded to, Elima Lay is the kind of person who really just wears her emotion on her sleeve, yeah. right? She's not a poker face type of individual at all. Uh, and so because she was at the forefront of what was this really incredible fundraising effort on social media, on Instagram specifically, where she, uh, alongside uh, some other individuals who helped bolster that campaign, uh, raised over two and a half million dollars. But there has been, you know, I guess there's a wrinkle into how uh, Meta releases those funds. There's sort of like almost like an escrow type of period where they have to wait, uh, I, I think it's maybe two months or eight weeks or something like that at minimum before those funds can get released. And so that brought about this really sort of strange response from people who are very skeptical about what happened to the money as if Elima Leigh McFarlane is trying to pull a fast one on everybody. And it was just really weird. And I think some of that being in the in the in under the microscope when she was trying her darndest to do something really, really good and was really, really successful at doing that. But then because of some of the clerical aspects of that fundraising effort, um, I think she found herself in the crosshairs uh, of a lot of vitriol and a lot of skepticism and you know, social media can be an absolute cesspool, and I think Elima Leigh McFarlane found herself in the middle of that, and she commented very directly about this uh, on her Instagram uh, just uh, yesterday. And so I think uh, it, it is certainly something that shines a light uh, into uh, what what she was going through and, and really can, I think, help to explain why it was such a tenuous training camp for her leading up to that fight. Yeah, there's no question about it, and, you know, it, it's... 
I mean, look, I don't know if you follow her and you see uh, the the after part and you see where they live and everything. I think Eileen was doing okay. Yeah, she's so doing the right. idea that she yeah, kind of yeah, needs yeah. to go about this thing with everything she's done, you know, for Native Hawaiians, Native people, uh, her entire life. It's just really unfortunate, you know. And that's, you know, this is the this is the downside to social media where anyone out there can say anything, anyone out there can levy accusations and yeah. stuff, and then it becomes, you know, amplified and a big deal and. And like I said before, it was just a sad thing because, you know, I credit her with so much. I mean, I think what she's done in the limited time she was in the sport, she basically established that division. I mean, Liz Carmouche said it after the fight that the women fighting in this division are here because of what Elima did and, and becoming the first champion in that division, really starting the division, getting a Liz Carmouche, you know. I mean, Liz Carmouche was in the first, I think, women's MMA fight, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, against Ronda Rousey in the UFC, like back when Dana White said he would never have women fight <laughs> yeah, in a cage. I remember and that. Liz Carmouche was kind of the one of the, the uh, trendsetters. And so, you know, having her there is a big deal, and it's all because of Malima. So she's done so much. And again, just the fact that she is the one when, you know, Max Holloway tried his best with the UFC or whatever, she is the one that brought MMA back to the islands. And that night when they first came here four or five years ago, um, when she won that fight in a packed house and just the the, the eruption. Um, um, it was Valerie Letourneau, I think she fought. It was just a big moment. It was one of the biggest moments in Bellator. I remember, like, renowned journalists like Ariel Hawani was watching, saying this is an unbelievable moment for that organization because of what they were watching with the crowd in Hawaii and stuff. And so she's done so much. And just to kind of not see it go the way she wanted. I mean, win or lose, you know, as long as she was out there, you know, doing her thing, but not being able to train fully, not being able to give it her best shot. It was just kind of a little bit of a, a rough, kind of sad thing to kind of see. Uh, so how does this affect the overall picture and, and the grand scheme of things and her riding off into the sunset? Do you think that because of the circumstances around this fight that it will dissuade her from calling it a wrap, uh, even though that is what she has hinted towards uh, here in, in the past couple of fights? Um, or, yeah, I mean, do, do you think that this then leads to her wanting to give it another go under uh, more ideal or at least better circumstances? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think she was – Pretty set on this being it. I think she's got a lot of other things she wants to do in her life. She's talked about starting a family, you know, multiple times. And so I, th I thought her leaving when she left Hawaii in April, it really seemed like this was it. She kind of said a couple of things on social media that made it sound otherwise. But again, this is 24 hours, sure, 48 sure. hours after going through a fight like this. So um, I think it probably I'd still be surprised if she if she comes back. I think. You know, she probably doesn't want to go out that way. She doesn't want her last image being her stretched out of an arena uh, with an injury. But at the same time, I think she's kind of ready for the new chat next chapter of her life. And so I think even though I think as time goes on, as she kind of gets further and further removed from this fight, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she said, you know what, it's time to do other things. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. Text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, we are following the Phillies-Braves uh, game three of that best of five NL uh, DS series. And Bryce Harper. Harper just went yard for the Phillies, second home run of the series. He is now tied with Chipper Jones for most NLDS home runs in his career, now nine. Uh, it's the Phillies up 4-1 in the bottom of the third, two outs. They still got a runner aboard. Uh, Bryce Harper, he's kind of a guy. I mean, like, he's 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 enjoyable to watch. Uh, dare I say he has been one of the greatest showmen, uh, certainly in this postseason, and I think uh, what we have seen in his evolution where they threw a butt-ton of money at him, uh, there was, you know, talk that uh, he, they were going to try to bring another couple of superstars over to Philadelphia to join him, uh, and I think Bryce Harper, who was also lambasted to some degree with some people who were saying that he wasn't worth necessarily the contract that he was given, I think has absolutely proven otherwise, and he is 
has uh, been one of those uh, sparks for what I think we can all agree might be the best playoff atmosphere in all of baseball right there uh, in Philadelphia. And he comes through again and uh, hits a two-run homer. So Bryce Harper, I mean, this dude is uh, he's on one right now. Yeah, he is. And I remember when he went to uh, Philadelphia from Washington, I think a lot of people kind of thought, you really want to throw all that money at him? But he's had a couple of, I think, 35 home run seasons. And he's proven himself in the playoffs. He's playing really well. And um, I know you're asking me about this game, but can I just take a moment to transition to the Texas Rangers? Because I just want to point out last mm -hmm. week how I said, watch out for this team, man. They're hot. They got healthy at the end. And they just swept the Baltimore Orioles. Which brings me to my question. Do they need to change the playoff format? That is a valid question. That is a valid question. We have seen, I think all the game ones were won by the wild card teams. Is that correct? In, so. in the divisional series. And so there seems to be some disconnect there where uh, the teams that finish, you know, in, in some cases as, as much as like 10 games better than their opponent here in this series, uh, seem to show a little bit of rust from the 10 day or so rest uh, between the end of the regular season through the wild card uh, and into the divisional series and so I think that that's worthy of at least asking the question. I don't know what the other option would be or what the alternative format or schedule could be to try to guard against that. Um, and if you're a team playing in the regular season, obviously you're still striving to not have to play in the wild card series. I don't think that that's going to change. You're not going to be like, all right, let's try to get into that wild card, yeah. give ourselves an advantage. Of course not. Uh, but th that's at least, I think, worthy of questioning why? Why does it seem like the wild card teams just had a little bit more momentum going into this divisional series? Yeah, I mean, we'd have to do. I'd have to go back and look at it, obviously. But that just seems kind of the the train of thought. But yeah, I felt bad for. I've got a couple of uh, Baltimore Orioles fans that look. They haven't had. It's been a long time since they've had you know some success, and to see them get in the playoffs, and then just like that, they wait a week and then they get swept in three games is tough. But I'm telling you, man, those Texas Rangers are good. They they came in hot. Uh, they won a really tough uh, a league in the AL West, and and I'm just just pointing out, you know, I kind of said, watch out for the Texas Rangers, <laughs> and here they are already in the championship series. So I, love I need to do a little bit gloating because I know what's coming up later in the show. A, a little bit gloating, yeah. Um, no, we, I love how we go from Bryce Harper to, uh, yeah, you know who else is uh, hot right now? <laughs> Billy Hull. How about that? Yeah. How about what Billy's doing for baseball at the moment? Um, we will be getting into our six pack of picks a little bit later on in the show. When we come back, we're gonna do a little thing because Billy Hull is a fantastic sports writer and so what i want to do is i want to test his uh, ability and talent with language in, oh, a, uh, oh in a in a segment called complete this sentence all right so we're going to do that uh, when we come back but a reminder upgrade your island style with kahala the original Lo aloha shirt since 1936 you can pick one up for yourself at one of kahala's six stores island wide or at kahala.com all right we'll uh, complete some sentences when we come back on let's talk sports What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. It's Let's Talk Sports. Billy Hull is my guest co-host for the day. It is one of your vintage BTS Wednesdays. Billy Talks Sports. And uh, Billy Hull, who is a phenomenal sports writer. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to so test much. some of that creativity here oh, uh, in a segment uh, that we call Complete This Sentence. Uh, the rules are very basic. I'm going to give you a sentence, and you complete it. 
So here we go. Should we get started? Are you Wait, ready? Can you explain that again? I just <laughs> complete it. You know, just roll with it. Oh, with it. I, I think okay. you can figure it out. Okay. Context clues. Okay. Uh, the OIA's failure to schedule officials for the Kalani Kalaheo <laughs> football game this past weekend was blank. Way to come out of the gate. <laughs> um, uh, extremely disappointing. I mean, this was a really, really tough situation because it was homecoming for Kalani. It's actually kind of a, a big game for both teams. They're fighting to make the playoffs, but... There were a lot of people here for this, and I'd, I'd heard that there are, are people that flew in just to come in for homecoming game. And so for everyone to get there, for the teams to get there, for everyone to be ready to go, and then, you know, it's kickoff and there are no referees, and then the game doesn't get played. You always have kind of the halftime thing that a lot of the students are excited for. A lot of times they announce, like, the winner of these class things and all that during the, during the game. And so, yeah, this was a very kind of unfortunate incident. It's been a little bit of a tough uh, couple of months for the OIA in terms of high school football, but not – you know, just a, a scheduling error that doesn't have referees at a homecoming game. That's a really tough deal. And I just kind of go out to all those Kalani kids and their families and everything because that had to be extremely disappointing. Yeah, uh, the word I'd use is embarrassing. I mean, it really is. And uh, this just hasn't been the OIA's finest hour here this year with the scheduling and, um, you know, the, the open division teams that have been involved with these very lopsided victories over some of the lower division teams. And that needs to be cleaned up. I kind of thought that that was uh, something that was very much at the forefront of purpose behind scheduling over the previous years and it just seemed to get away from them again this year uh, perhaps out of desperation of just scheduling games uh, period but uh, yeah you know and, and I, I give a lot of credit to Raymond Fugino uh, he on behalf of the OIA really absorbed the responsibility uh, and I think it was a very classy move on his part to say hey look that's on us uh, we apologize it was a mistake we want to make sure that this doesn't happen again and that's really all you can do uh, but it just it wasn't it was embarrassing and it was unfortunate uh, for those kids uh, hopefully uh, that is something that is now official uh, behind them. Yeah, and then you also, I mean, you also kind of got to bring up there was a game uh, over the weekend, Moanalua and Nanakuli. Fourth quarter ends, it's tied, and so the rule is in the regular season, they got to go to overtime to get a winner, and they just decided to call. I guess the referees didn't really know the rules or anything, and so they just kind of <laughs> called it a tie. So, um, yeah, a, a tough weekend uh, uh, there for uh, some OIA football. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I was blank. When I saw Kawhi Leonard and Paul George playing so many minutes in the Clippers Jazz preseason game at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center Sunday. Suffering from FOMO, I believe. Because <laughs> uh, I really thought, I mean, I, I know they mentioned that Westbrook was out, but, I mean, it's preseason, it's their first game, they're in Hawaii, and I just didn't expect them to play. And then they got some major run. I think yeah. they played, like, the first, what, eight minutes or something of the first quarter. They came back in the second quarter. And then I was watching the game on NBA TV, and they were balling out, and I was sitting there like, you know, kind of wish I went like you know I, I wasn't really didn't really bother me too much that I wasn't going but I, I saw him playing so much on the court I was thinking kind of wish I was there so uh yeah some FOMO for me yeah I was shocked that's my word because I'm with you I wasn't expecting them to play all that much in fact I was a little skeptical that they'd play at all yeah. uh but it really kind of showed something right the Clippers I think really embodied this idea of like we're going to connect with Hawaii here uh in what is what is this like the third time that they've held training camp here in the islands uh, and then you have the backdrop of what happened on Maui and some of the revenue from that preseason game going to help the rebuild effort on the island of Maui and so uh, I think that that was a really classy move and I think that had to be I'm, I'm just speculating here part of the motivation to play those guys so much like hey look you know what this is this is for a good cause uh, this is something that's going to hopefully provide a little bit of respite uh, and and maybe raise the spirits of people here in the islands let's give them a show and you know what they did yeah. they did precisely that it was phenomenal Paul George was doing his like almost playoff P type stuff 
Kawhi Leonard looked phenomenal. Um, I, I don't necessarily think the Clippers are going to be able to maintain that kind of health over the long haul. But on this day, preseason game, it was an absolute pleasure to watch. It was a show, and I was jelly that I was <laughs> not there. Uh, but I was shocked that that was the case. Yeah, and you never know with these athletes that are making so much money and how important they are to the team's success over the season that they would play. But I give them credit. I just looked it up because I knew they, play, they played last night in Seattle, Climate Pledge Arena. Seattle obviously doesn't have a team. Paul George, 20 minutes. Kawhi Leonard, 20 minutes. Russell Westbrook was out there 15 minutes um, playing in the city that originally drafted him. Yeah. So, you know what? Credit to the Clippers for doing that. Um, it just makes, you know, for places like Seattle, places like Hawaii where we don't have NBA basketball, given that you saw those kids out there that were just eating yeah. it up, seeing these the best players in the world actually out there playing and playing some ball, by the way. They were getting after it a little bit, so it was cool. Yeah. Uh, also, honorable mention for Russell Westbrook, uh, who uh, his his outfit looked like he had just stepped off of a yacht and right into Manoa in uh, into the arena all right uh next one for a preseason game spurs thunder the other day was blank thrilling thrilling because uh, i turned it on and you know i'm still kind of with the thunder a little bit you're a spurs guy and Wemby. just if Wemby's out there playing you want to see him play but wasn't really expecting this one-on-one -on -one duel between him and chet holmgren and i gotta be honest chet looked pretty good i think 20 points nine rebounds but he was shooting the three driving I mean, those guys are so tall that they're now doing, like, putbacks where they're just dropping it. Like, literally, it doesn't mm -hmm. look like they're, they're jumping. They're just dropping it over the rim. It's kind of like almost the next kind of phase of what we're going to see in the NBA, like a preview of what's to come the next 10, yes. 15 years. And, and it, it, it's junk for Chet because, I mean, he, he's good, and he's the guy, and he's the prototype, but there is nobody that looks like Wembyama. So it was awesome, man. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I ended up watching that more than I was watching the Monday night game when it was on. It was mind-blowing uh, It was is the word I'm going to use, just because it was representative of this evolution of the game. Like, uh, now we have aliens, just uh, these, these mutants that are now playing basketball, these guys who are running the floor. Did you see Wembyama in the <laughs> Duncan transition where he's like basically dunking it down into the rim as opposed to like jumping up over the rim. Uh, Chet Holmgren and both he and Victor Wembanyama were sticking threes off the <laughs> dribble. I'm like, what? What is going on here? Like, this is a crazy, crazy version of basketball that I guess you're right. Like, we're gonna have to get used to seeing here. Hopefully, these guys stay healthy uh, because that was a lot of fun to watch. It was, and it was almost like Space Jam had come to life in the real world. I mean, think about this. Chet Holmgren is seven feet tall and got. <laughs> Headbutted on a drive <laughs> to, the rim, to the rim by Wem and Yama. That's how crazy it was. Are they going to have to, like, raise the rim one day? Like, is there going to be a point where they're going to have to move it to, like, 11 feet just because these guys are so tall? I mean, I don't know, man. Did you see that lefty finish by Wemby oh. where he, like, spins into the lane? And then, I mean, this guy's, like, 7'3". His legs and arms are just, like, you know, flapping all over the place. And he's finishing, like, in style with the left hand little scoop shot. I mean, it's 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 bonkers what's happening now to the game of basketball. He was on, the, I think he was, like, almost on the right block, finishing with his left hand on the le left block, covering the entire entire key with his with his uh, wingspan it was unbelievable but it really like you're just watching like this is where the league is going to go i mean there's just going to be yeah. seven footers seven one seven two seven four whatever yeah. he is doing just this like kind it's of nothing stuff. Yeah. i don't know if i'm ready for it man <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's it's like next world level like when you watch it i remember saying on this radio show a while back when you when everyone watches when the season started season starts and they see women yama out there i'm just telling you people are going to be just shocked at yeah. what they see it's it's not like anything we've ever seen he looked like he had already gotten a lot better from the summer league and like a lot more confident and i just hope and pray that these two guys stay healthy because it is going to 
be absolutely enjoyable. Uh, but that's the thing, right? That's the thing about basketball. Uh, my, my pops used to always say, you know, uh, I love baseball because you don't have to be a freak to play it like basketball, right? And it's like that's why everyone loves Steph Curry because he's a little more like us, even though that's not even really the case either. And then you see like Victor Wembanyama and Chet Homer and it's like, oh, these guys are, are mutants. They're, they, they are like superhero aliens that are, uh, have been placed on this earth to play basketball. Yeah, well, I can't figure out. Like, the last couple of years, Pop comes into the season, and he's all just got, like, a beard, and he looks disheveled, and he just looks old. He looks like the architect from uh, The Matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, he's looking kind of good and relaxed. Like, I mean, what changed? Well, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, what's what could it be? You know? uh, funny how a, uh, another number one overall draft pick <laughs> yeah. can uh, rejuvenate your uh, coaching career a little bit. Uh, all right, next one. Dylan Gabriel's game-winning drive for Oklahoma versus Texas in the Red River rivalry was blank. Legend making is what that was. That was an incredible drive. It was an incredible game, but what a huge moment for him! He missed the Red uh, the sh the game last year, and that's like one of the all time. What is it, by the way? Red is River it, Shootout. It's I know technically I the Red myself. River Shootout, but everyone still says Red River Rivalry. Yeah, I think it's the Red River Shootout. Isn't I think it? I think that's what they changed it to. Oh, but but uh, it was the Red River Rivalry. Oh, I but I think people still say it. But anyway, Red Whatever. River, Oklahoma, <laughs> Texas. Whatever it is, we're in Hawaii, man. No, but it was um. Just big for him. I mean, that was a big test for Oklahoma. I think people kind of coming in were unsure just how good Oklahoma was. Texas had that big win at Alabama that had everyone uh, going crazy. But look, Dylan Gabriel, um, he had his moment. I mean, not saying he's going to win the Heisman moment, but that could be considered a Heisman, Heisman moment if he keeps it up all year long and Oklahoma keeps winning. So uh, good for him just to kind of experience that. And then you saw him after the game with um, family there and just the, in, in the post-game press conference, the emotion. And about, the lay. And, and the lay yeah. and everything. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Good good, uh, good moment for him. And just I've really always kind of enjoyed him. I covered him a lot when he was in high school, so I'm just kind of personally happy for yeah, him. Yeah, uh, you kind of bled into my word. I was going to go Heisman-esque oh. because that was his Heisman moment, right? And that's yeah. what you need. If you are going to be truly considered for the Heisman Trophy, you got to have at least that one moment, and that was it for him. And at least according to The Athletic, uh, he is now in the top three of the Heisman uh, voting or Heisman race. Uh, that's, again, according to The Athletic and some of the surveying that they're doing. Uh, he's definitely in the mix now, and there's no doubt about it. I think the problem is Oklahoma just lost their top receiver who got injured in that game. So that doesn't necessarily bode well for them going forward. But they are in the mix. They're in the conversation. He's in the conversation for Heisman. They're in the conversation for the playoff. Still got a lot of season to play, and, and now they're a little banged up. So we'll see how it goes uh, moving forward. But, yeah, uh, the stuff of legend, that, that makes him now immortal in the yeah, history 100%. of Oklahoma football and the Red River rivalry. Like, he is part of the pantheon of incredible memories and moments that will never be forgotten gotten that was amazing it's it's it really is amazing to think his journey journey from high school in milani to uh, central florida and now he was like gonna be like literally one of the guys that will always be remembered in the red river rivalry <laughs> shootout Say that showdown, five times fast. Yeah, showdown whatever you want to call it um it was a it was a pretty awesome moment for him. Uh, all right. Uh, got a couple more, if you don't mind. Uh, oh, the man, dodgers being on the brink of elimination in the nls is blank is lovely Whoa. Lovely. Oh, wow. I mean, I got to admit, I got some Dodgers fans out there. And, okay, congratulations every year. You get to go out and spend hundreds and hundreds of million dollars, outspend everyone, get every single guy. I really came to not like them when they got Mookie Betts because it's just like, okay, enough already. You don't also <laughs> need Mookie Betts. Uh, but, no, it is, um, it's a little bit surprising, but I also I, I kind of like it. And I got to give love to my man, Paul Sewald, my uh, Mariners reliever, who they traded for whatever reason at the deadline. He was a big part of the Mariners organization. And now he's out there closing out games in the playoffs against the Dodgers, just like I thought he would at the mm -hmm. beginning of the season, totally. just for the wrong 
team. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I'm going to say unsurprising. Uh, this, oh. We've seen this movie before, unfortunately, for the Dodgers and their fan base. Uh, we've also seen what happened to Clayton Kershaw before, one of the all-time greatest regular season pitchers in the history of baseball, like historically great, and yet in the postseason, I think his ERA is now up to like 4.4-something 4 for his career. Uh, what, he just got like through a third of an inning, six runs, whatever it was in that first game. And I actually feel bad a little bit for the Dodgers. Like, I kind of feel bad for them. They come all this way every year. They put themselves in a position of being one of the true contenders to win it. Uh, and here they are now on the brink of elimination. And, hey, look, maybe they can come back in this series. But uh, they're down 2-0 against the D-backs. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of sad. But maybe the saddest part is that it's not that shocking or surprising. All right, last one. George Kittle's anti-Dallas shirt. The other night on Sunday Night Football was blank. Uh, for those who don't know, he was wearing underneath his jersey a shirt that says Bleep Dallas. Uh, and, yeah, it is that bleep, like the big one, <laughs> like the king of the bleeps. Um, and he showed it. He lifted his jersey at one point uh, late in the game. Uh, there is some discussion about the league considering fining him for it. So, anyway, George Kittle's anti-Dallas shirt was blank. Gangsta. Because <laughs> I like it. I, I mean, I'm all for this kind of stuff, you know. Um, enjoy the rivalries. Make the rivalries bigger. I don't. Why? 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 Why do we have to find him? I mean, come on, man. He's having some fun. It's a fun rivalry. Also, you know what he gets to do? He gets to celebrate a little bit. Because when you dance all over someone yeah. the way the 49ers danced all over the Cowboys, you get to gloat a little bit. So I got no problem with it whatsoever. Awesome move. Way to have it prepared pregame and everything. So he put some thought into it. Good on him. Yeah. Always fun. No, mine is. It's worthy of a fine. It is. Like, it, you, can't, you can't really just be, like, you know, flipping off people and having <laughs> uh, expletives I mean, on a shirt. On. No. But do I think it's, like, bad for the sport? Do I not think it's fun? Like, no, I think it's actually absolutely fun. If you hat trick the Dallas Cowboys, you earn every chance of talking all the junk you want to, even if it's of that level of expletive. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's finable because you got to. But at <sighs> the same time, uh, I didn't hate on it. I actually thought it was pretty darn funny. I hope the uh, San Francisco 49ers, if he does get fined, I hope the team just kind of takes ESPN Honolulu and K-High TV bring you the Timmy Chang Show. It's tonight, 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua. Join John Venary and Coach Chang for an hour of UH football talk. Join us in person or check it out on the radio or ESPN Honolulu social media. Watch the encore performance the next day on K-High TV. Man, that segment, Billy, was blank. Amazing. Incredible. All right, six-pack of picks when we come back. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Billy Hull is my guest co-host for the day. And you know what that means. On a BTS Wednesday, Billy talks sports, and he also brings us his six-pack of picks. Billy, Kanoa's doing pretty good in this thing. We've got to come up with something. we got to get some sounds in this. Don't we have to, like, totally make this something? Yeah, yeah, we could use Do a little more imaging. Yeah. Uh, well, not me personally, but <laughs> hey, Liz, get on that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what, what we got here? I'm, right. I'm doing all right in this thing here Another so far. Another winning week for Kanoa, 29-1. and one. You're five games up on me now. I'm barely over 500, 15-14-1. But the big belly billy lock of the week, 4-1 and one going into week six. So what should we get to it? Let's do it, man. All right, we've been riding these Thursday night games doing pretty well. So you know what? Let's do it again. Oh. We took one off last week, but Broncos at the Chiefs. And this is just too tasty for me. The Broncos are horrible. And I got to be perfectly honest with you. It's not. And you all, love seeing it. You love seeing it. I do. It. I do. And it's not all Russell Wilson's fault. He's actually, I looked it up. 
He's thrown 11 touchdowns with only two picks, and his QB rating is 106.1. He's on pace for like 37 touchdowns and seven picks. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Maybe not $200 million good, but still pretty good. But they've got no defense whatsoever. That's the thing about them. After their week one win, they've given up 35 to Washington, 70 to Miami, 28 to the Bears, and 31 to Zach Wilson and the Jets. And now you're welcoming Patrick Mahomes. You're going to Arrowhead on a Thursday night, short week. It's 10 and a half. It could be 20 and a half. I'm taking the Chiefs here. I just think the Broncos are terrible. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of concern about Travis Kelsey, right? He kind of tweaked his uh, ankle last week. It's the short week for him. And so uh, I think there's a little bit of concern, even though uh, he says that he's doing okay, but feels like a grandpa. uh, I think that that could maybe hamper him just a little bit. But yeah, I just have no faith in in, in the Broncos. They gave up a 70 spot to Miami earlier in the season. Uh, It was hilarious to see Sean Payton uh, getting uh, absolutely hosed by the Jets because on behalf of Nathaniel Hackett after what he right. said prior to the season and uh, so that that was uh, that was pretty funny uh, yeah the, the Broncos just don't have it and Sean Payton's probably got a little bit of a remorse about maybe even making the comeback in, into coaching in the first place all right you're not going to agree with me on every pick the rest of the way just to win this are you? you're not going to pull anything like <laughs> that, that would be you? a good strategy yeah, yeah, okay I'm sorry I told you that all right let's go to Sunday game number two and This is one I just picked it just to have a little bit of fun with. The Vikings at the Bears. And there really are two teams I cannot quit that are killing me this year, and it's the Titans and the Bears. You know, you come into the season, and you you look at it, and you got some teams you think are going to do good. And I just had so much more faith. I thought the Bears were kind of going to turn the corner. I thought last year was a little bit of a kind of weird thing that happened. They got healthy. I thought, I think Justin Fields is pretty good. So I've been on him. I've gotten killed by him. But then uh, they're starting to turn things on a little week. They had a big game Thursday night. You have extra days of rest. You have the Vikings coming in uh, with Justin Jefferson out. I think they put him on IL. That's a big thing. And then you know what? To prove to you I did some research for this, uh, this segment, I looked up the weather. Sunday, Soldier Field, they're expecting a high of 53 degrees, 18-mile-per-hour winds, 50% chance of rain, a.k.a. Bears weather. <laughs> the Bears the weather. Bears weather. So I am taking Chicago plus two and a half at home. I think they're going to beat the Vikings this week. What accent was that, by the way? I have when no, you're, idea. You're, <laughs> no idea. It's like all of a sudden they're the like, Bears. <laughs> the Bears weather. <laughs> um, yeah, I God, this is a game I would not even touch. <laughs> so the fact that you're introducing like it to the six-pack like of picks, uh, I'm not really sure where to go. Um, you know, the Bears have actually looked kind of good offensively the last couple of weeks, especially early in games. Uh, not having Justin Jefferson is huge. Um, Kirk Cousins is kind of due. Like, they're talking about trading him. I just kind of feel like Minnesota might be able to muster it together uh, because that's kind of what Kirk Cousins does, right? Like every time he, people are most down on him is when he seems to put on a show where it's like, oh, he is kind of an upper echelon or upper that's half a, of the league quarterback. That's a good point. But it's that's hard to point. do it without Justin Jefferson. So I'm very skeptical. I don't like making this pick. But I think I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, wow. All right. Good. We get to watch Vikings. <laughs> Great. Yeah, Sunday. really looking awesome. forward to that game. All right. Next game. Lock of the week time. Like I mentioned, 4-1. and one. And you know what? We're riding the Tua train once again. Woo-hoo. The Dolphins at home against maybe the worst team in the NFL, the Carolina Panthers. And so the spread's huge. It's 13 and a half. But, look, the Dolphins are that team where I feel like, okay, they maybe can they beat the best teams in the league? We're going to have to see. But you know what they can do? They can smoke bad teams. And they're going to score a lot of points. And I know that they got a um, – uh, what's it, Duvon Achan? I actually had to spell it yeah, out. Yeah, Achan. Yeah, Achan. He's out, and that's kind of a big deal. But M- Mostert's still there. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. might be coming back. You know, yeah, they've got Tua and Tyreek. <laughs> I mean, come on now. So, 13 and a half is a lot of points, but I'm just riding them. I think they're the kind of team that's just going to destroy bad teams. And Carolina, 
is a bad team. Yeah, they're a bad team. I, I agree with you. I think they probably would have to be the pick for the worst team uh, in the league. Um, you know? Yeah, Denver might be. Well, Denver, Denver is uh, pushing hard. You're right. Yeah. Um, but I, I do kind of think that uh, Miami, to win by two touchdowns doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Um, you know, Miami has the eight fastest times clocked this year in the NFL, like players running speed, led by Tyreek Hill, who ran 22 miles per hour. Uh, oh and so the, the Dolphins' speed out on the field with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, and obviously even without A-Chan, you have Raheem Mostert, who is uh, just about as, as fast as any anybody. So, yeah, it's just there's too, too much speed out there, too much to account for for the, the Panthers, so uh, Dolphins in a route. Yeah, th those guys are almost as fast as Caleb Brown. I was reading Steven Sides' uh, story in <laughs> the Star Advertiser today. 22.9 miles per hour you can get up to. I was yeah, impressed by that. Crazy. Yeah, he's good. All right, game number four, the Detroit Lions. Yes. Yeah! We're going to do some Lions again against the Buccaneers at Tampa Bay. And look, I told you I was preparing hard this week, Kanoa. No distractions, no family in town. I got to I gotta close the gap with you. So you know what I did? I looked up the forecast for uh, Tampa Bay this weekend, too. <laughs> 81 degrees, mostly sunny, 60% humidity. You know what I call that? I call that Jed Goff weather. <laughs> <laughs> California kid. It's this guy from London. I guess London hosts NFL football now. So there, that's your that's your uh, alter ego here. Is uh, yeah, it's Jared Goff weather. <laughs> California kid. He's happy to be in a dome in Detroit, but now he's gonna enjoy that good weather. I love the Lions this year. I love your team so much. I know it bothers you when I say that all the time. <laughs> I hate it. Lions minus three at Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is three and one, but they've beaten the Vikings, the Bears, and the Saints. Meh, I don't like it. Give me the Lions here. I know it's maybe a little bit of a trappy trap game, but go off in that weather. I'll take the Lions. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. He lived half of his life in New England and half in actual England. Um, yeah, so I, I, I like the Lions here as well. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I have to be very cautious. You yes, know me, I'm a do. fatalist uh, in, 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 in my personality. And so uh, I, I don't like all of the love that people are giving the Lions. Like people are like, they're Super Bowl contenders. Like, pump the brakes. <laughs> I do think that they're better. And I do think that they should be able to win this game by more than three. Yeah. All right, cool. So we agree on that all too. Right. And uh, if we're going to do the Lions game. Let's do the Seahawks game. <laughs> Seahawks coming off a bye at the Bengals. The Bengals at home are favored by two and a half. A lot of, I remember like just two years ago, like all these games would be three. For some reason, they're all like two and a half. There's all these two and a half spreads. I don't know what's going on with that. Okay, I had to really think hard about this one. The Seahawks going on the road, 10 a.m. start time, uh, Pacific Coast time. But, you know, they've been pretty good at that recently. I, I struggle with this. I feel like, though, Cincinnati is kind of, getting it going a little bit. Joe Burrow's getting a little healthy. And for the Seahawks, they're 3-1. and one. I'm just having a hard time imagining them being 4-1 and one for whatever reason. So as much as it pains me to do this because it's much more important, I beat you at this stupid game than how the Seahawks <laughs> do. I got to go with what I think, and I think the Bengals minus 2.5. I think that's the way to go on this See, game. you love the Lions. I actually do like the Seahawks a lot. They're the only team to beat the Lions, obviously, this year. Um, but this is the time of the season when the Bengals start yeah, doing that turnaround is. thing. They do this every year where they look very pedestrian early on, and then this is around when Joe Burrow starts to assert himself. He did it this past week. He's going to do it again this week. So as much as I hate agreeing with you in this pick, uh, I got to go the, uh, with the Bengals. This is, this is now the Cincinnati Bengals' time to start turning it on and turn themselves back into a contender. It was funny. Two weeks ago, the Seahawks were playing Monday night, and they showed their upcoming schedule, and they had the Bengals next. And I was like, 
oh, perfect. Get them right before they start getting it going. Then I realized they had a bye, so it was actually two <laughs> weeks, and then it made me worried. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going Bengals here, unfortunately. Oh, fandom paranoia. I know, I know, I know I a know. lot about it. All right, last game, Monday night, and just because this is a – Bonk. I don't. I have no idea what to do with yeah. this game. Like, would, this is another game Chargers. I, I wouldn't like, touch. I had no idea what to do, but it was Monday night. I thought it'd be fun. Dallas coming off that epic performance against San Francisco, <laughs> and by epic I mean awful performance. Um, the Cowboys are a two-point favorite at the Chargers. Um, I can't stand picking the Chargers in anything because they always let me down. Dallas has looked dreadful. It's a Monday night. Um, I don't know what's going on here. And then I just remembered. My buddy, Brandon Staley. I feel like no matter what happens, he's going to let me down. The Cowboys have got to be able to turn around a little bit. The Chargers don't seem like they can ever win this game. And then, oh, by the way, it's going to be like 90% Cowboys fans, so it's not really a road true, game for true. Dallas. So I'm taking Dallas here, and I have no confidence in this I, I, whatsoever. I love that. I love that. In this in this uh, stout coaching matchup, you're going to go McCarthy <laughs> over Staley. No, exactly. um, no. Yeah, I, I think Chargers coming off of a bye. I give them a little bit of an edge there. Cowboys coming off of a really tough defeat. Uh, and, yes, it's going to be more of a home game from a crowd standpoint, but they still got to travel uh, to the West Coast. Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers here. Uh, oh, Justin whoa. Herbert, he's going to do it. He's going to do it for me. They're going to go to 3-2, and two, and the uh, Cowboys are going to uh, fall to 500-3-3 three three on the season. There it is. Book it right there. You got any plans Monday night? Uh, now I do. All right. <laughs> we'll go to uh, that, that place you always read that's so great. Oh, your, your read. Uh, yeah, yeah, 850. There you go. Craft yeah. beer and whiskey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, but that's not the thing I'm reading right now. Oh, okay. I got to do this other read, but uh, yeah, very nice producing. We that. like that place, too. Uh, win a $1,000 cash grand prize and $100 weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. All right, our best and worst when we come back. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Domino's Pizza of Hawaii is a sponsor of Let's Talk Sports, and we thank them certainly for their support. If you order online or via the Domino's app, you can save up to 20% off on your order. Also, a bunch of uh, discount combo uh, opportunities as well if you go online uh, or order via the app. Domino's Pizza of Hawaii, we deliver aloha. Time now for our best and worst. We'll start with the bad stuff. I'll go first with my worst, and it's Dylan Brooks. I could just say period, but I will elaborate. <laughs> Getting ejected uh, mere minutes into his Rockets preseason debut when he smacked Daniel Tice of the Pacers below the belt in the uh, southern region. Uh, on a screen, and Brooks uh, was ejected. He signed a four-year, $86 million contract in the offseason after being cast off by the Grizzlies. So uh, good on you there, Dylan Brooks. I was actually surprised he got $86 million for four years. I thought a chance there was a chance that nobody would sign him Crazy. for everything he's pulled in his career, and lo and behold, here we go. Yeah, I know. Some things never change. What's your worst? All right, my worst. Um, the Kansas Jayhawks had some sanctions thrown at him, some, some uh, recruiting violations or whatever. But here's what I hate. They're told, you have to vacate your 2018 Final Four appearance. You can't vacate it. It already happened. Yeah. I don't care if you take down a banner. It's such a stupid thing to do. It makes no sense. It doesn't take away from anything they did. It's just such a dumb thing. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Vacating what already happened. I know. You stop it. You can't do that. You can't revise history in that way. Come on. All right. Um, we're going to switch it over to the best stuff. My best is uh, very trivial, but I just think it's a funny stat. Mac Jones of the Patriots has uh, five touchdown passes in five games this season, but has also given up scores on three interceptions 
interceptions and a fumble. His four pick sixes in 19 games at Gillette Stadium in his career are as many as Tom Brady threw in the building in the regular season in his 18 years as a member of the New England Patriots. There are just all these Tom Brady stats that are going to come out like that that are just yeah, unbelievable. Just bananas. That, that is pretty incredible. All right, we got about uh, 35 seconds. What's your uh, what's your best? Oh, okay, just real quick. It's obviously not a, a, a best situation, but um, Tally Hawk is the freshman for the University of Hawaii women's volleyball team. Um, you know, she's from Israel. She served in the Israeli uh, army for two years. Obviously a terrible situation going over there, but she opened up and really kind of talked about it. Her family's doing okay and stuff, and I got a chance to kind of write something that you can see in tomorrow's Star Advertiser, but just wanted to wish her the best. Yeah. It was an eye-opening interview. You know, it's a, it's a tough thing for her. They got a big road trip coming up, and I just wanted to kind of give her some props. Do you think great. about some of the things that uh, student athletes deal with and uh, some of the things that they have to overcome, and it pales in comparison to what Tally Hawkins is emotionally dealing with right now. So looking forward to that piece, Billy Hull. Uh, looking forward to talking to you guys again tomorrow. Have a good one.